I still recall from the books I read All the great empires built in my head But every year I raise one more I bought it all and one dropped off But I'm, I'm still seeking something I'm still seeking something And welcome ye, welcome ye to a scintillating, titillating, likely aggravating episode of Seeking Tumnus, the podcast where we ignore all of the warning signs and step boldly onto the minefield that is contemporary young and new adult fiction. On alternate episodes, we dig up crusty novels from our own teen years and hope to hell they've still got some punch. My name is Laurie, and I'm joined by my fellow hosts, Patrick, I won't be rushed, Moon. <laughs> yeah, hi. There's been a delay in episodes. It's certainly not my fault. Also, are we uh, are we each assuming the role of scintillating, aggravating, or titillating? Because certainly you would fall under aggravating. Probably Keith would be titillating. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind being scintillating. It reminds me of yeah, that joke. How do you titillate an ocelot? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Keith. Thrush from the bushes, Ro. Mm, hello. And Bree, I'm about to gushingly review these books. McNameless them. Hello. <laughs> this episode, for your pleasure, we're flushing, I mean reviewing, Throne of Glass by Sarah J Mass. Are the rumours true? Does every department store across the lands have it right when they stack the box sets to the ceiling? Holy shit, they really do. Well, before we start slinging mud, let's get that pesky spoiler warning out of the way. Ah, oh, I forgot to write down my spoiler. <laughs> you can do it afterwards. Record a separate one. Uh, I, I could just say this book is going to be spoiled. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we really are going for brevity. Oh, God. Laurie, I forgot to do my actual one job. No worries. Keith, can you uh, do it on the fly? We will spoil this book that is probably by many considered to be spoiled already. <laughs> oh, that's a really good one. <laughs> All right, Keith. <sighs> I think I'm ready. I think enough time has passed for me to survive what comes next. A, sep- a sample of page one. <laughs> Chapter one. Love is so confusing. There's no peace of mind. If I fear I'm losing you, it's just no good. You teasing like you do. Once I had a love and it was a gas. Soon turned out, had a heart of glass. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? It's starting to sound better than I originally thought. (laughs) I love that song. (laughs) All right, here we are. After a year of slavery in the salt mines of Endovier, Selena Sadothian was accustomed to being escorted everywhere in shackles and at sword point. Most of the thousands of slaves in Endovier received similar treatment, though an extra half dozen guards always walked Selena to and from the mines. That was expected by Adelan's most notorious assassin. What she did not usually expect, however, was a hooded man in black at her side, as there was now. He gripped her arm as he led her through the shining building in which most of Endovier's officials and overseers were housed. 
They strode down corridors, up flights of stairs, and around and around until she hadn't the slightest chance of finding her way out again. At least, that was the escort's intention, because she hadn't failed to notice when they went up and down the same staircase within a matter of minutes, nor had she missed when they zigzagged between levels, even though the building was a standard grid of hallways and stairwells, as if she'd lose her bearings that easily. She might have been insulted if he wasn't trying so hard. They entered a particularly long hallway, silent save for their footsteps. Though the man grasping her arm was tall and fit, she could see nothing of the features concealed beneath his hood. Another tactic meant to confuse and intimidate her. The black clothes were probably a part of it too. His head shifted in her direction, and Selena flashed him with a grin. He looked forward again, his iron grip tightening. It was flattering, she supposed, even if she didn't know what was happening or why he'd been waiting for her outside the mine shaft. After a day of cleaving rock salt from the innards of the mountain, finding him standing there with six guards hadn't improved her mood. But her ears had pricked when he'd introduced himself to her overseer as Cale Westfall, captain of the Royal Guard, and suddenly the sky loomed, the mountains pushed from behind, and even the earth swelled toward her knees. She hadn't tasted fear in a while, hadn't let herself taste fear. When she awoke every morning, she repeated the same words, I will not be afraid. For a year, those words had meant the difference between breaking and bending. They had kept her from shattering in the darkness of the mines. Not that she'd let the captain know any of that. Page one. In two more paragraphs, you get to one of my favourite lines. It was true that she had been attractive once, beautiful even, but, well, it didn't matter now, did it? And that starts the true story. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Keith. I thought I'd just ask Keith, actually, did you actually just read the first page or did you read the first 12 or 14 then? Because I, I tuned out at a certain point and it felt interminable. <laughs> yeah. I read a bit more than the first page there, but I was just warming my tongue. No, I don't, I don't think it's your fault so much as that first page was just awful and perhaps telegraphing things to come in that... Yeah, the way the character is described, like Bree said, we're already getting a little inkling that there is absolutely nothing wrong with with Selena Sardothian. She is beautiful and endlessly adept at everything she puts her hand to. The, the guards stand no chance of misguiding her as they lead her around. She's a real pain in the ass, and it, it's apparent already. <laughs> Laurie. It's hard to remember a time before I read this book. It just seems <laughs> so long ago. Like the remnants of a whisper of a fragment of a time when I was still happy. <laughs> it was so promising. She seems interesting, a viable threat, confident, ready to impress me with physical prowess and feats of dexterous wonder and with cold acts of sexy violence softened with a cracking wit. <laughs> Sexy violence (laughs) Bree? Oh, is that all you have to say? Is just an extended, protracted groan Yes Not unlike the book itself (laughs) (laughs) Bree? On the first and the second reading of page one I'm, I'm struck, I think, most by the simplistic language that's used It just seems to be as though the author is telling you the story without whetting your appetite and letting you find one or two threads that you can actually discover along the way. That's annoying. Yeah, it is. It is quite verbose. At this point, when I read it the first time, I was willing to give it a chance, but knowing what I know now, it's pretty painful. It feels like it's a 16-year-old writing it. 
It feels like a really young person writing a story. Well, it was a 16-year-old writing it, so... It all makes sense. Well, that changes it for me. Well, does it? Do, do we give bonus points because you wrote it when you were a kid? It changes the way that I'm viewing the story, I think. It changes my perspective on it a little bit. doesn't make it better, but I can see where some of the passages that we'll probably get to later come out. <laughs> yeah. I think she was a little older than 16, though, but it was written quite a while ago. I don't know that she was, actually. I think she was, uh, if if not 16, very close to it. And then it it got picked up. It it was one of these books that was, I think, published online first and she cultivated a bit of an audience and then subsequently got picked up by a publisher following that point. Yeah, Fiction Press it was on. But I think you'd surely imagine that it would have undergone some sort of rewrite between that point and publishing. Oh, absolutely. But... I think the the skeleton that is there is indicative of someone still pulling their craft together. But maybe I'm speaking before my turn, given that this is still page one. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's dig a bit deeper than page one. We'll hit the synopsis. Selena, once the feared assassin of Adalyn or Bendovia or somewhere, has been toiling away in the salt mines. Sorry. For a while, after her boyf is killed, she's betrayed and captured and sentenced to a life of hard labour. Crown Prince Dorian, a pretty man, and son of the conquering, magic, outlawing, tyrant king who gives a shit. <laughs> what colour is his eyes, though? <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll find out. Seeking to make his mark and make his pappy proud... He decides that Selena would be a good pick for the upcoming Hunger Games, <laughs> in which talented killers of varying legality are to murderise each other to death. The last sexy-eyed cutthroat standing will be given the honour of becoming the king's new assassin. Failure results in getting sent back to whichever shithole from whence they came. So, out of the mines she's fished, stuffed into some chiffon, accompanied to a wonderful court and trained by a gruff guard who clearly loves her, appraised mm. by a prince who clearly loves her, introduced to some other folks that clearly love her or hate her because the prince is fluttering his lovely eyes at her and thrust into more chiffon. Selena survives the Hunger Games training, finds a sword discovers that the author can't think of very many names while talking to Elena, the fairy godmother, makes some hints that she's not just an orphan but heir to some throne or other, uncovers a nasty piece of magic that's making one of her Hunger Games competitors murder other competitors and grow sweet pecks like Bane. (laughs) (laughs) She makes friends with Nehemia, who is the princess of some land that old mate King Grumblebottoms is at war with. Something about runes or marks or... Something which is a form of magic unbeknownst in these lands. More dresses. Some umming and ahhing about which man she loves. A kiss or two and then boom. Teen pregnancy. No, wait. (laughs) Sex. That would have been vaguely interesting. Instead, a few more lacy dresses and she wins the tournament. She breaks up with the prince, becomes the king's assassin, and we never have to think of this repugnant, horrid teenage romance slash costume party. Eyes are like pipping swool's dross ever again. Uh, unless you're Bree, who willingly continues to read <laughs> this material. I'm up to number six and very happy. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> number six. 
Man. You forgot the, the puppy. struggle to make it through the one. Well, I struggled to make it through the one. Hang on, Laurie, why did you choose this dross? <laughs> <laughs> why did I choose it? It's a sexy looking woman in medium armor wielding twin blades <laughs> on the cover. It says, a heart of ice, a will of steel, meet the assassin. It even says throne in the title. Throne! I thought the marketing people were making sweet parallels to George R.R. They got me good. It does look good from the front cover. They got me so good. Marketing people, I salute you. You have excelled yourselves, you magnificent bastards. The marketing department are the real winners here. <laughs> they are. Definitely. Bree, tell us your mm. tale, for it is a twisty one. I actually, as I've just said, have gone on and read and I'm now smashing book six and I have literally not stopped reading them since I got midway through book two. But if I take myself back to the first one, this was incredibly disappointing. I thought it was a really missed opportunity to have an interesting character full of promise, promised by the book cover, strong female, interesting, potentially interesting background, being an assassin, being quite sassy, and they just dulled her down so that she became this one-dimensional lead. She's She's just come out of a year in hard labour in the salt mines and all she spends her time doing throughout the book is worrying about going to parties, the prince and some other very light, fluffy nonsense. And I found that incredibly disappointing. The love interest or interests between the captain of the guard and the prince are equally one-dimensional in this particular story. And I find it really annoying. (laughs) Chael or Kaol or whatever you call him, he just seems a little bit leery. He's just bloody there. He actually doesn't achieve very much. He achieves literally nothing. (laughs) Nothing at all. He adds no value to the actual story. Other than presenting a contrasting eye colour to Dorian. Mm. (laughs) You can't have a triangle with only two points. (laughs) She's an assassin and she actually doesn't do any killing throughout this. It's really this very soft entrance into this world. It just doesn't it doesn't feel right to me. Did you I suppose you all agree and more than half-heartedly. But the other problem that I had with it is in the plot because the tests themselves are also very very weak. For a group of hardened assassins who are meant to be going up against each other in the king's tournament, they just seem like it's a school carnival and we're all out for <laughs> Yes. It's a knockout. <laughs> I was going to chime in when Laurie was saying this. He characterised it as the Hunger Games, but it's not the Hunger it's Games. It's not the it's Hunger a, it's Games. A, it's a three-legged race yes. and a wheelbarrow race. Yes. <laughs> Egg and spoon. The only, but they have assassins sort of undertaking it with some kind of expectation that because these people are hardened killers, they'll be better at this glorified little athletics, which will qualify them to be the, the, the king's hired killer it's it's patently absurd and truly bizarre Mm. and so dumb and which comes with a huge wage as well yeah yeah well salaried but (laughs) the the lack of any real conflict between the people there just serves to make them all look a bit hapless and and dumb and i'm not sure if it was written intentionally in that way to avoid something that might be considered not quite teen friendly if there was some actual physical violence or whatever between the characters but I feel like the Hunger Games has well and truly dispelled any notion that those themes are beyond the reach or capacity or interest of 
teenagers. There was one point when they were all tested on their ability to detect poisons, and I was really hoping that they'd all be poison. (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely intensely disliked this book having finished it. And then I was talking to Laurie about it and I was like, well, surely there's, there's like seven of these. Surely there is something redeeming in this. So I started reading the next one and it wasn't getting better and then it wasn't getting better. And then I got about halfway through and I was completely hooked. There must've been something else in in the first one that had you like kind of wanting or willing to read on Brie. Well, the fact that there are seven of them, that they are absolutely all over every bookshop that you go into at the moment. And I really wanted Selena to actually prove me wrong. And also I quite liked the character of Nehemia. I thought that she had this kind of mystical, interesting, a little bit magic-y background that really I found engaging. I liked that they developed this friendship, which clearly Selena hasn't had very many females in her life, I would say, through... And I'm trying not to mix what I've read in the future from what I actually read at the... This particular time, but who cares? None of us are going to be particularly offended by any spoilers at this point. There is a good quote though regarding her take on girls and women. It's from quite early in the book. She never had many friends, and the ones she had often disappointed her, sometimes with devastating consequences, as she'd learned that summer with the silent assassins of the Red Desert. After that, she'd sworn never to trust girls again, especially girls with agendas and power of their own, girls who would do anything to get what they wanted. That's actually a really disappointing take on all mm. of womankind from the author, to be honest, because I feel like women do actually knock each other down quite a lot and we should be doing the opposite and building each other up. It sounds like she might have had that typical high school experience where something goes wrong at high school and then you're only friends with boys ever after. Mm. Mm. And this is the this is what it boils down to for me. This feels like it's written by a very young author who's not hit her strides yet. I feel like this is targeted to a very, and I'm not going to say all women are like this or all girls are like this, but describing the balls and the romance and the, the clothes and the, the fairy tales, when it's well done, it can be a really engaging topic and it's certainly something that gets younger women to keep reading. And you know what? If that's what it takes for them to get to book two, three, four, where there is a lot more character development, then... No, it's not okay because it's still shit and it should be fucking better to start with. You could redo it, yeah. It's not only that it was bad, it was really long. Like mm. <laughs> there was a lot of bad because there was a lot of book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's just bullshit. Like I'm reading through some of the quotes here that I've highlighted like, you know, princes are supposed to be handsome. They're sniveling, stupid, repulsive creatures. This one, this, how unfair of him to be royal and beautiful. Like, come on. <laughs> or I, I read somewhere that her original idea was um, what if Cinderella was an assassin? And, yep. I mean, it's a, a bizarre bastardization of concepts, but it really, I mean, she's done it. She's, she's gone and done it. And <laughs> with all the ridiculousness that that entails of, you know, a, a, a princess going to the ball and the glass slipper nonsense whilst also being a tough, world-weary assassin, allegedly. Yeah, um, allegedly. And it, uh, it doesn't work. She's not only done it, she's done thousands of pages of it. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But it doesn't work also because she's not 
an assassin in this. She does everything that she can. I mean, she's supposedly been a slave and she balks at the sight of her lace getting ripped like it's just. Yeah. It, it doesn't fit well. Yeah. I, on a, a slightly different note and a bit of a, a pivot, Brie, I like your tactic of saying this is bad I think I need to go deeper, which is the exact <laughs> opposite to what everybody else in the world does. It's like a deer caught in the headlights. <laughs> but it can't be that bad. And I go back and read the first Harry Potter. It's it, probably the first one's better than the second, but let's say Chamber of Secrets. It's not a great book. It's just mm. not. It's a better book. How dare you, Bree? <laughs> no, but if you go back and read The Philosopher's Stone, it's probably a better first book for a series. But the second one, it's not a great read. Yeah, but you can deal with that because you've started with something good and you know that the author has mm. potential. Whereas yeah. after reading this book, I'm convinced that the author has no potential. <laughs> well, she's she really she really surprised me. I, I'm completely hooked. I will be waiting for the 23rd of October when the the last one in the series comes out. Mm. But I still can't like this one. To be fair, when I was reading it and and hating it, I did not imagine a 16-year-old author. I'm pretty sure I was still picking my nose at 16 years old. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) But even so, I was just traumatised. I think it's the fault of the editor on this one. Mm. Oh, really? What what could the editor have done? What could mm. the editor have done to to change essentially the entirety of the manuscript? Mm. Well, I suppose that the problem is that she'd already built up a fan base, right? So how much are you? Can you change the script when it actually goes then to be printed? Mm. That's true. I mean, if you look at uh, Twilight, for example, it changed pretty dramatically uh, <laughs> from uh, uh, not Twilight. What am I thinking of? Uh, if you look at uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, which went from a, a Twilight fanfic to a fleshed out in and of itself kind of work, it had to be changed almost entirely. So it wasn't a copyright issue anymore. <laughs> so is that the origin of it? Hmm. Yeah, it was a it was a, a fanfic originally. I think Christian yeah. Grey was was Edward at one point in its history, and. Uh, yeah, so I, I guess it can be done and you can take your online audience with you, but in this case, maybe there, a rewrite was in order. Hmm. And, you know, I'm not even completely sure of the whole history of the book, so maybe we're totally mucking this up, but, you know, there's nothing like ill-informed speculation to fuel the <laughs> fires of indignation. You do have to be careful of rewrites as well. I mean, <clears throat> you could catch Roth for Cytus. Oh, no. <laughs> It feels like this book is kind of speculation about what romance and what fantasy is, so I think it's fair to speculate about the origins of it. Laurie, <laughs> uh, why don't you give us a rundown of your thoughts? Okay. Or a continuation. <laughs> I was gobsmacked. I got this book as, I think, a Christmas present or a birthday present. The box set, no less. Oh, but, lucky you. <laughs> but I also bought it on Kindle because I bicycle so much and I was running out of time. Bree, you also bought it on Kindle. What? So you 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 you're reading your Kindle on your bike? <laughs> yeah, Did I say <laughs> yeah, he meant he meant audiobooks. Audible. Audible. I bought it on Audible. Sorry. 
It's probably better to read a book than a Kindle on the bike because if you fall off, it's not going to smash. I was thinking about an e-reader mounted on your uh, handlebars. Well, it does get quite dark at this time of year. But no, sorry, I meant the audio book. I I got an audible book. And Bree, you also bought it Mm. and the sequels, Mm. even though the physical copies are at your disposal. So our household purchased three (laughs) copies of this book. Three! You guys are committed. You guys are way committed. You're in too deep already. Look, I love fantasy and I'm sure I have a reputation for being fairly forgiving of small to medium sins in fantasy books, but I just couldn't stand this book. Nothing happened for hundreds and hundreds of pages. The feared assassin was spending more time mooning about the boys (laughs) than she did assassinating or backflipping or disappearing in a cloud of smoke or backstabbing or anything cool. Was there a single backflip in the entire book is the question. I can't recall any. And, you know, that's the tragedy of this book. Yeah, that's right. She did nothing cool. She mooned. She dressed up in pretty clothes. She was boring. It became apparent, we were talking about the editor before, that the editor needed to be shot within 12 pages because Mass (laughs) had banged on about the colour of boys' eyes 111 times. We get it, Mass. You have an eye fetish. We're not here to kink shame you. you. What you enjoy is your thing and good on you. Just don't pretend you're writing a fantasy novel when you're trying to add some characters to your optometry catalogue. <laughs> I, I, I totally agree with both those points and I don't think it can be overstated how many times this woman describes the eye colour of her characters. It's the first thing that is is described at every turn with every character and it is an ongoing description every time that character re-enters the room. <laughs> eye colour becomes a thing in the later books. No. Oh, well, it would... It would- Freaking have to because I have had it drilled. I have had it drilled into my brain that yeah. that Dorian has sapphire eyes. He has sapphire eyes. He turned to me and looked at me with his sapphire eyes. I fell into the pools of his sapphire eyes. But then I wondered if maybe I didn't prefer Kale's brown eyes. But Dorian's sapphire eyes. Mm-mm-mm. So like, I, I just can't. And the, the other. The other thing that you made a really good point was is that she is so passive throughout this entire book and she really reflects very similarly the, the character of um, Mrs. Fawkes in Twilight, who I can't remember her name, Mrs. Fawkes, who is Kristen Stewart. Um, what's her name? What's wrong with you, Bella? <laughs> oh, well, the, yeah, Bella. the peanut gallery tells me it's Bella. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> yeah, Bella... Um, it, throughout the entire Twilight book, she, I guess, it's reinforced that she's this insipid, boring schoolgirl. That's how she sees herself and wonders, you know, what could it be that Edward Cullen sees in me? And this is different. It talks about how she's a badass, how she's an assassin, how she's got her own thing going on and she don't need no man. But why doesn't that come out at all during she the text? Totally it's all just comes out in every other book after this. Too late. Oh, in the later books. So in the book that I haven't read, <laughs> this becomes a thing. She becomes so kick-ass and amazing. Well, she's not in this one. She's Bella of Forks in this one. That's all <laughs> she, she is. is. She is Bella of Forks in this one. Yes. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Carry on, Laurie. <laughs> There is no Le Guin wordsmithery here. Oh, no. No hob brutality nor lovingly crafted characters. 
Not even Brent Weeks' level of apprentice-slash-master-assassin badassery. No novel magical systems like Sanderson or even Nick's. I reckon Keith was even considering Yavi, or suicide, <laughs> as plausible distractions from this pulpy, boring, shallow, mind-numbingly slow, days-of-our-lives bullshit. Mm-hmm. I would not recommend you read it. It pained me. It pains me still. It's like a lingering rash upon my memory, and even the continued journeying through the never-ending wheel of time journey I'm on hasn't rescued me from the pain. Pat? I I always say at this point, I don't really have much else to say, but this time it's different because I've expended all my rage in the midst of your review rather than having nothing to say of my own. It really just follows that same same trope that it's becoming overly familiar to me now in this type of YA fiction of the the whole love triangle thing. It's just boring. I'm sick of there being an Edward archetype and a Jacob archetype in every book that I read. And I I have actually flicked through the Wikipedia synopses of this series. So before Bree chimes in again on this point, I'm aware that it changes in the later books. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so true. Because this doesn't work. Yeah, well, it doesn't work. And I mean, it sucks that we as readers are subjected to the trial and error. It's never worked though, right? Like if you look into history, there's always the bad guy and the good guy. The good guy always wins in these teenage novels. This is the trope that I was subjected to as a teenager. The classics that I can think of are bullshit, light, ridiculous teenage romances of a triangle and they all have that same thing. So it doesn't work. It gets proven in this one that it doesn't work and it gets fixed in the coming up books. Does anyone feel like Kale gives off this dad vibe though? And she's checking out his eyes and I kept feeling like he, I know he's the same age, but he just seemed like a more gruff kind of dad parent trainer type person. He's a real dad and he's really bizarrely emotionally stunted. And like, if you're interested in this girl, fucking say something to her about being interested rather than just brooding like a dipshit for 200 <laughs> pages. <laughs> I can't see why she is even remotely interested in him and I don't know it's 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 unfathomably dumb it might be Stockholm syndrome (laughs) (laughs) I had a bit of that while reading the book actually (laughs) 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 that's how I got to the end I'm sure (laughs) it does seem like a real overly familiar repetition of the same old Hunger Games story, the same old Twilight story. I feel like I'm in a, a, a perpetual loop and time is a flat circle and I'm going to end up on the set of True Detective soon, losing my mind. It's... <laughs> I, yeah, it sucked. That element of it sucked. The other component that I thought really particularly blew... When, <laughs> There isn't going to be any uh, but to this, really. Like, I'm just going to list things that blow about this book. <laughs> but the other, the other part that blew about it was that she was such a Mary Sue character. Mm. I mean, talking of Rothfussian, everyone is really down on Kvothe, the main character of the, and I don't know if I'm even pronouncing it right, of the Kingkiller Chronicle. If you do spoil it, I'll kill you. Go on. <laughs> I'm not going to spoil it. Everyone is down on Kvothe. Kavoth as a Mary Sue character who is uh, just ridiculously, exceptionally good at everything he does and um, everything that he turns his hand to is a miraculous success. Uh, but at least in the case of the Kingkiller Chronicle, 
there is the redeeming factor that he is a bit of an unreliable narrator. It's coming from a first-person perspective and you, I guess you kind of have to question whether he is as great as he says he is or whether there's an element of hubris sort of sneaking in. But with Selena, or Selena, I don't know, I always just said Selena, uh, it's, it seems like she's in a completely straight-faced fashion written to be the best person that has ever walked the face of the earth, <laughs> the best assassin, never the mind the looking. fact that she's best looking, best assassin, but she doesn't kill anybody. She's, mm. she's this bloodless assassin who uh, I think has a grand total of one body to her name throughout the entire book and that one not even human, some like bizarre demonic dog from the nether realm. So John Connolly would be disgusted. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Charlie Parker racks up 75 kills per book at least. And it's it, it just didn't ring true to the character. And it was always frustrating that any time something came up, you knew that she would have the perfect answer to it. When it was going to be when she met her new friend, Nehemia, or whatever her name was. Bohemia. Nehemia, uh, it was, oh, wow, you, you speak this language like a natural. Of course she does. She does everything perfectly. Or she can scale the wall and save seven of her competitors uh, faster than anybody else can take three steps. Uh, there's only one moment where she fumbles a little bit in a, a um, poison, the poison testing test that you were talking about before, and she needed a little bit of uh, a helping hand. But... Otherwise, she seems infallible, supremely talented, and by virtue of that, just thoroughly uninteresting. There is nothing going on with her. So, she's a painful main character to follow. Having said that, and maybe this is a, a somewhat of a, a but moment for me, I, I didn't find it a major chore to read the book. Mm. I thought it was relatively engaging. I thought that... Uh, there was a certain amount of days of our lives kind of appeal to it. But if I really wanted that, I would probably just watch an episode of Days of Our Lives because it would be over with much more quickly. I could I could scratch that itch without having to dedicate a week of my reading time to labouring through something that could have been probably 30% shorter and gotten just as much done. What about you, Keith? Yeah, that's a good point, I think, about the ability to still read the book. I think probably because it had a pretty reasonable framework that it weaved through and around and turned into a romance and back to a fantasy throughout, that it was still possible to read it whilst thinking, how bad is this? Constantly. It had the structure of success there. And maybe that's why we were flicking back to, you know, maybe it's the editor, maybe this, maybe that, because there is the framework of a successful text somewhere here. Definitely, yeah. Totally. The single biggest problem I had with this book was that what we see and what we're told of Selena Sadothian are in direct contrast to each other. It's more or less from the outset of the book that this is the case as well. So we're told constantly that she's an emotionless killing machine, vicious and unrelenting, but all we see is an emotional swooning machine, beautiful, <laughs> stunningly dressed and pretty. Yeah, it's true. And it felt like the book constantly switched from fantasy to romance. It never really got the balance just right. The only constant being the intricate descriptions of eyes and clothing. By the conclusion, to me, it felt like romance dressed up as fantasy and, and that's fine. It's really actually 
perfectly fine. If you have a look at the Goodreads scores for this book and the raft of best-selling books that follow in the series, you'll see how super fun it is. But it doesn't mean that it's good. And for me, this book was not good. The writing, it was painful at times and embarrassingly so at times as well, which begs the question, how does an editor get thanked in the acknowledgements at the end of this book? Because they do. It could have done with another very heavy edit. <laughs> to, to be fair, I haven't read many books where it's like, to my editor, screw you. I'm glad that this got done despite your persistent meddling. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just seems that they haven't done enough meddling though. Like, there was an editor. It's like, wow, what's your day job? <laughs> I'm kind of intrigued though. If she's thanking her editor and she really genuinely believes that the book was vastly improved by the edit, what came before? <laughs> True, true. <laughs> yep, we don't know. Yeah, I was taken out of the moment on several occasions by sentences that were clunky or completely redundant. And the final jewel, which it had built up to throughout, was such a letdown. With all these people looking out for Selena, it came down to sheer luck that Kane toyed with her rather than him finishing the fight. Mm. It was just mm. another plot device on a growing heap that frustrated me. It's kind of like the laser beam on, on Mr. Bond, right? Like the lasers mm. inching closer, that long, drawn-out cliche that didn't work. Yeah. We really needed Dr. Evil's son to, like, rock up. You know, that, that scene from Austin <laughs> Powers where he's like, let's just, I'll get my gun, we'll shoot him in the head. Like, it'll be fun. And yep. it, was, it was a really good opportunity, that final fight, for Selena to finally show off, you know, what makes you this badass assassin? Let's finally exactly. get an opportunity to have a look at that. Uh, but... No, not really. She got really. rescued by mm. her fairy godmother. Mm. Basically, yeah. <laughs> I was just so wanting to see that because Kane was a reasonable villain and he was going to get his comeuppance, but it wasn't satisfying in any way. For some reason, though, I still found myself somewhat endeared to Selena. I don't know why. I really don't know why. Because she's so attractive. <laughs> <laughs> it must be that and the clothes she was wearing. Fantastic. <laughs> Yeah. It's because she does kind of evolve towards the end, though, a bit. She starts to trust a few people. She starts to develop some friendships with even a couple of the crappy, not very scarily convincing murderer-type people that she's competing against. There's those sorts of little things that kind of lead you towards it. Yeah, she learns to trust Nehemia, who she liked at first and then started to doubt and then she learned to trust her again. Like the plot, I think the framework for Selena was good as well. Like the intention was good. She was a strong female character. She was independent. She never really relied on anyone to come and rescue her. And she did get rescued at times like we've just talked about, but she wasn't relying on it and it didn't really feel like a damsel in distress moment. She was a strong character, but it just wasn't realised in the writing. I've got a, an exciting game for us to play now. Because I said it's exciting, it must be. It's called Someone Said or In My Head. So I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you two statements. One of them is from someone on the internet talking about this book, and the other one is something I've made up about the book. And you just need to tell me which is which. Uh, who wants to go first? Me. Sure. Hooray! Statement one. My best friend wouldn't shut up about this series until I started reading it. We're no longer friends. <laughs> Statement two. The first book is amusing in a wow, this character is a real shit show kind of way. <laughs> so one of those is true and one of those is me. You've got to tell me which one's an actual statement 
from someone. Oh, gee. I don't want the first one to be true because we might not be friends anymore. Uh, mm, mm, I would say that statement A is something you made up. Statement B is something someone said on the interwebs. Well done. That's correct. Yes. Ooh, I would have gone the other way around. Yeah, me too. I, I thought for sure <laughs> calling her a shit show sounded like something we would say and maybe have <laughs> said earlier in the episode. <laughs> it deserves it. It was a, quite an accurate statement. Who wants to go next? Hit me. I should credit that. That was from Blood Squirrel on Reddit, that <laughs> statement. Uh, Brie, from what we've seen, she's one hell of a crappy assassin. People walk in and out of her room all the time when she's sleeping and she just keeps on snoring. <laughs> Although, aren't you supposed to spring awake like a ninja and hold a knife to that person's throat? <laughs> or statement two, did anyone actually believe in the lead character as an assassin? The only thing Selena was slaying was the fashion gossip circles with her stunning outfits. <laughs> I would say statement one is from the internet. That's correct. Yes. <clears throat> Pat, how many of these do you have? I've got two each. Okay. So, <laughs> you, we, we can't really afford to be dropping the ball too much. I could sort of rule myself out of contention just about by fumbling this one. <laughs> well, the way they're going, yeah. Kind of late to the discussion, but I used to love these until the fourth book. But that is when I realised it is actually horse shit. No offence <laughs> to any horses reading this. <laughs> <laughs> it's not true. So that's something that Keith made up. <laughs> it's not your turn. <laughs> yeah, if you can get through the needlessly tacked on romance, this is a compelling fantasy read. It's just a really big if. Oh. Oh. Uh, well, I know you haven't read up to the fourth book. And so that, that could just be a red herring, I guess, to, to throw me off the scent that you have you have made that one up. Um I'm going to I'm gonna go that way. I'm gonna say uh, number one you made up, number two is the real one. Uh, oh, damn it. <laughs> I feel like you got the toughest one so far. The second one's true. Uh the the first one was from Carrie0305 on Reddit. Why do you hate horses so much, Carrie? <laughs> <laughs> no offence to the horses, come on. Whenever anyone says that, of course, they mean offence. But And even still, why would a horse take offence at something being called horse shit? If someone called something human shit, I wouldn't be upset about it. No. Uh, uh, statement one, I would have loved it even more if both of Selena's love interests weren't so awesome in their own ways. I just couldn't decide which camp I was in. Dorian <laughs> no. is sophisticated, rich, and could have anyone, but he wants Selena. No. And you know that Kale would do anything for Selena, anything. Statement two. This book was so good. The main female character is amazing. She was practical, not to mention completely badass, and could kill anyone with a hairpin if she wanted to. Great high fantasy. I cannot wait for the next in the series. Uh, statement two is you. Statement two is from a Goodreads user, Sarah J. Maps. No, it's, it's from Regan on Goodreads. So that's Fuck you, yeah, Regan. Laurie Finishes on one point. <laughs> uh, Bree, you can take it out with a correct answer here. Statement one. The pacing is fast and the emotions run high. She's a strong young female lead, but she still has hormones that make her go gooey over a cute new guy. The difference here is she has the strength to control it. This was like the Hunger Games with all of the games, but none of the hunger. Statement two. In fact, a love of clothes and a preoccupation with appearance is more consistent with an assassin in my opinion. A desire to look pretty is characteristic of the narcissistic personality type that would be required to kill indiscriminately. 
You wrote number one. Well done, Bree. Ah, congratulations. <laughs> well played. It does Thank have you. all of the games of the Hunger Games, but only if the Hunger Games was a sack race. <laughs> <laughs> it did remind me of like a school carnival kind of thing, you know, like a round robin or images in my head were of like athletics where you've got a few people going over to the shot put and throwing some balls at each other. Tidy whities yeah, it, <laughs> it was like the warm-up scene from the Hunger Games where they get to like practice with weapons, but it never escalated beyond that. Mm, exactly. I'll still play it out. Pat, give you a chance to get a point. I would love to get on the board. Statement one. But surely Selena has other character traits beyond internalised misogyny and an unfounded reputation. She likes books. This does literally nothing for her character, and frankly, I'm sick and tired of authors just shoehorning bookishness in without depth. <laughs> or statement mm-hmm. two. Selena was an enigma of a character, a hardened killer assassin, yet still capable of being feminine and soft, with a love of dressing up and reading. The way she interacted with Dorian was a treat throughout. There is such a mix of content in the book that there's something for just about every reader. Oh, I'm going to say... I feel like you've given me some pretty freaking hard ones, actually. I'm going to say number one is genuine. It's a point for Pat. Oh, yes. <laughs> So it's a tie for second and Brie takes it out. Well done, Brie. Thank you. Good game. I enjoyed that. Yeah, it was awesome. They were amazing, Keith. Your ability to mimic frothy fans on the internet is incredible. <laughs> it's it's quite a, an interesting one because it's very polarizing either way. Like the Goodreads rating for this book is something 4.2 or something ridiculously high, insanely high. That's nuts. It's insane. The rest of the series I agree with. I know I can't say this enough, but... You can. Enough. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't get it. No, I don't get it either. Mm. But we won't have to get it after this unless we'll rebuild because there's another one coming out later this year, I think the final one in the series. The 23rd of October. I'm totally going to put it in my calendar. Do either of you boys suddenly feel compelled now? No, not for me. And I've read the synopses, Mm. as I said, and as far as I can tell, it's... Continues to be a shit show, but just of a different <laughs> variety. There's a, all, all these dumb witches and blood pacts and nonsense that gets introduced that doesn't increase the appeal factor for me at all. Yeah. It, it, it even seems like she's decided that Selena Sardothian as a main character was completely wrong and she's reinvented the entire character name and all at a certain point. Well, yeah, she got another name at the end of this, right? Yeah, but they don't call her Selena anymore. Like, that's been gone for at least three books. <laughs> well, we had to put up with her being called something different at the start as well, or by most characters as well throughout this, and then she got a third name from her mm. buddy pal. Junie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that was done well. This was not. Like, well, I think with this framework, we could have had a fantastic book if it was written by an author like that. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, to answer that question, Laurie, the problem is there's other books out there. If there wasn't, maybe I'd <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's always been my approach. If I'm not enjoying something, you can be damn sure I'm not going to double down and go buy the next five books in the hope that there's going to be something redeeming somewhere along the way. 
The other reason I started reading it, though, was that I've been having trouble sleeping and I find that... <laughs> it's a soporific. You know, it helps me lull myself into that, like, period where you can actually go to sleep. And so I would read this and then I didn't care whether I was, like, midway through a page or anything. I'd just close the book and drift off to sleep. So I kept going through book two for that and then I found that I was actually interested in it. On the hook. Anyway, here we are. It's good we've got Brie to answer our questions anyway. So who does she end up with? Or is that probably not fully realised? I think the- that's probably a fairly major spoiler for later in the, the series. So I, I don't think we should go there just in case anybody is interested in, in reading it. But I don't know who she ends up with, right? Because I'm only up to book six. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> is there any other love interest brought in? Yes, there is. Surely there must be, yeah. Yeah, there is. And it's a much, in my opinion, better match. And it feels a little bit more. Is he really boring too? <laughs> no, it just feels. No, it just feels better. He's not a pretty boy, and he's not a dull, staid sixty-year-old before his time. He's, he's a different character who brings something. But is it Peter from the Hunger Games or Gail? <laughs> Neither. <laughs> he's really a really good character, and they twist her. She's got a lot more depth to her. She really does. Mm. Shall we score this biznitch? Yes. Let's do it. Uh, I'm going to keep this super tight and in the vein of uh, assassins, I suppose. And (laughs) given that I'm going the assassin route, there can only be assassins that are better than Selena Sardothian. So if you hated (laughs) this book, number one, one point, Selena Sardothian, the most inept freaking assassin (laughs) who... Performed nary a backflip in the entirety of the book. Uh, Two points. The Jackal, as played by Bruce Willis in the film of the same name, who I think lacked a little bit of the depth of the character in Frederick Forsyth's novel, but he did have a pretty, like, gnarly cannon that he used to, like, shoot a dude. (laughs) So (laughs) it's very specific. I guess you're buying like a early 90s, late 80s action film or thriller probably. Yeah. Did he have hair at that point? Uh, no, I don't think he. I don't think he's had hair for a long time. Bright blonde hair? Oh, maybe he did have hair in that one. Yeah. Oh, he did. He did. He had the dyed blonde hair in that one yeah. as a disguise or something. From being Bruce Willis. <laughs> if it's on late night television, I would 100% watch it again. So three, this is fan service, I guess, or probably more aptly host service because that's who I'm talking to. Boba Fett, three points. Uh, Somewhere in the middle because, you know, I have no real interest in him, but people seem to like him. He's a pretty famous sort of assassin slash bounty hunter kind of dude. He would be five stars and then they, in the special edition, they gave him the Kiwi accent. (laughs) I didn't know he talked. I thought he was a sort of pen and teller Sort. He was that semi-famous New Zealand actor, yeah. What did he say? I think it was like, load him on the ship or something like that, he says. Load him on the ship, eh, bro? (laughs) (laughs) Hello to our fans in New Zealand and farewell. (laughs) Laurie, that was disgraceful. (laughs) Four points. This book is on par with... uh, There's no point in reading four or five, to be honest. (laughs) 
I mean, I, I guess Th- these are not going to be touched. And so I went back and forth a little bit on the order of four and five, but then decided it's largely a moot point because probably <laughs> no one is going to utilize them, except maybe Bree, given credit from the previous books, which I'm not sure is something that actually is a thing that you can <laughs> you can draw the quality of the latter books into this one and give it a pass. I guess with a series, you probably could. You shouldn't. You definitely you shouldn't. shouldn't. <laughs> Four points is Fitz Chivalry Farcia from the Assassin's Apprentice. What's that? What's the trilogy called? I can't even remember anymore. Farcia. Farcia trilogy. Who was a freaking great assassin? Who I feel has been a, a little bit tarnished in recent incarnations, uh, or at least as my fond memories go. But he's still freaking awesome. Uh, and five. Anton Chigurh of No Country for Old Men fame, who I think redefined the concept of an assassin and of a Mm. cattle-killing gun for an entire generation of moviegoers. He was quiet menace. He had a body count. He was absolutely ridiculously off the charts, insane, Mm. and more of an assassin than Selena Sadothian can ever aspire to be in her futile existence he was almost mythical anton chigurh yeah yeah he totally was he was he was uh, I, th- I think people kind of were scared of him i was legitimately creeped out by his character and that doesn't happen very often in movies for me anymore so keith what's what's your take what's your score for this one i love that the hero of this book or the heroine of this book is the number one. That's great. So I have to give it <laughs> in the vicinity of that. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to chuck some dyed blonde Bruce Willis hair on this and give it a one and a half. So kind of Selena Sardothian, maybe with a Bruce Willis haircut. With a sniper's rifle. or yeah. <laughs> I like it. Laurie. Well, much like they profess her to be in the books, Selena will always be number one in my book. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to give it, as I said, I, I found it okay in parts and there was enough there to keep me reading, although not necessarily for me to enjoy the reading I was doing. I'm going to give it a, a Jackal, a Bruce Willis, a two. Brie, the moment of truth. You talk a big game. If I was scoring the whole series, I would score it. A four. Woof. If I'm scoring this book on Woof. in and of itself, which is what I am, it is only a two because of all of the things uh, I mentioned before. So there must be some serious redemption that comes down the track for this thing to get doubled in your mind to to quantitatively move this in a very finely tuned scale from a Bruce Willis to a Fitzchivalry Farsia. Yeah, it that's, does. That's a jump. I it have is. two questions about the series that I hope won't provide spoilers. First question is, how old is she in the next books? It's still within a few years of this one. But you, she'd be, I don't know, 19, 20 21, like yeah. Yeah, okay. Second question, safe now. Mm. Are there sexy times? There are plenty <laughs> thereof. I don't think you're going to get graphic descriptions of the bosoms that you so dearly hope for, Laurie. Oh, yes, you do. There are plenty thereof. Oh, really? I'm coming around, boys. <laughs> I'm coming around. <laughs> With this sort of lead in, it'll be fantastic. She shrugged and made to turn away. Irritated but slightly curious, he grabbed her arm. Her turquoise eyes glittered as she stared at his hand, and her heart quickened when her her gaze rose to his face. 
he marvelled that her breasts were as perfect as her backflips. <laughs> <laughs> this next line is fantastic. Yes, sweaty as she was, she was beautiful. <laughs> sweaty as she was. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't you afraid of me? She glanced at his sword belt. Or are you as deft at handling your sword as Captain Westfall? He stepped closer, tightening his grip. Better, he whispered in her ear. There. She was blushing and blinking. Well, she began, but the timing was off. He'd won. She crossed her arms. Very amusing, your highness. He bowed. He bowed dramatically. I do what I can. He bowed? (gasps) He bowed? Yeah. I always have a problem with reading that word. I don't know. It's it's painful. I think it's bowed, mate. I know it's bad. I know it's bad. I just can't do it. I just see Bo and then I'm like, yeah, anyway. Well, I tell you what, I'm not going to read the books, but if the H- HBO special comes along, hook me up. Hulu. Oh, I think Hulu. Hulu. We're doing it. Hulu. Yep, yep. Do Hulu's, Hulu do sexy times? Uh, I don't know that they're as renowned for sexy times as HBO. Yeah, Disney have their hand in Hulu, so. Uh, okay, right. Hmm. All right. Well, interesting. Uh, thanks for bringing my average up above a one for this book, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> We're so kind. You didn't do yourself any favours. <laughs> thanks all for joining us. Sorry if this series is your all-time favourite. Maybe the series is fine. Three of us will never know. Bree, however, is looking forward to your effusive praise, fan fiction links and Hours of discussion about the book on our Facebook page, Twitter, or on our email, seekingtumnus at gmail.com. Join us next episode for Bree's Pick. Bree's Pick. Bree? Crickets. When Hitler Stole Pink Rabbit by Judith Kerr. She says confidently. (laughs) Until then, if you value your eyes, read something other than Throne of Glass, unless you really, really value your eyes. (laughs) (laughs) And keep reading. (laughs) Most of the thousands... Gosh. Most of the thousands... Suffer and suck a dash. <laughs> I didn't have much sleep last night and my tongue's having a sleep now. <laughs> is it the quality of the writing or is it the, <laughs> just your tongue swelling up in, it, in your mouth of its own accord? I think it's the latter. But Is it the book inducing sleep, perhaps? <laughs> it has on many occasions in the past few weeks, definitely. <laughs> <laughs>